Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Chris McClure, a partner in the advisory services group at Crow, about how to improve ESG initiatives. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Chris McClure, a partner in the advisory services group at Crow, and we're going to talk about ESG. How's it going, Chris? Thanks. I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me today. Uh, no problem. Um, before we kind of launch into it, though, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at Crow. Sure, sure. I'm a partner at Crow. Crow's a global accounting, uh, consulting, and technology firm. Uh, my particular background is about 25 years of helping clients with uh, regulatory issues. Uh, I, I'm a forensic accountant, a CPA and forensic accountant by background. So I uh, came to ESG through the regulatory route, uh, helping our clients over time, uh, global manufacturing clients and others with really a proliferation of regulations that they're seeing um, domestically and globally around various aspects of their supply chain, and uh, you know, other regulatory requirements that they're subject to directly or that they're getting uh, pressure on from their key customers as well. So uh, given everything that's happened in the world over the last decade or so around all these regulations, uh, we formed a cross-functional ESG team at Crow to make sure that we're keeping up on all the market trends and that we're able to assist our clients with their various needs around ESG. Excellent. So what do you see uh, as the biggest issues for manufacturers when it comes to ESG? Well, I think uh, there's a lot. You know, ESG is a, a big, big term. So I always like to start with uh, explaining you know, essentially what it, what we mean when we talk about mm -hmm. ESG. So you know, we've heard the terms corporate responsibility, sustainability for a long time. And ESG is really the newest acronym that encompasses all of that. So a lot of what we talk about when we say ESG are things that companies are very familiar with and have been working on for many years or in some cases, many decades. Um, however, the, the term ESG, again, is, is a little broader. There's some hot topics within ESG that I think probably come top of mind, uh, in particular climate risk. And then I would say diversity, equity, and inclusion are some of the newer topics that maybe people default to when they think of ESG. But really, again, ESG is very, very broad. There's some important trends to understand uh, around ESG. And I tend first you know, to look at the, the regulatory environment, but we have to recognize that there's a lot more pressure now and there's a lot more focus on ESG-related disclosures, wherever you might make them uh, in your financial statements or in other regulatory filings or just on your website or in your sustainability report, um, I think we're moving from a marketplace that was voluntary in nature, where you had some freedom and flexibility to choose uh, what you might talk about in a narrative form and perhaps with some data. Now we're in an environment where there's a much, much more scrutiny from a variety of key stakeholders around ESG. So you have to be very careful about what you say and how you say it. Um, you want to make sure that you have uh, different perspectives at your company looking at what you're saying and making sure that it's accurate. It can be backed up with data and that it can be verified. Because again, you may find that where you're trying to tell a positive story about some aspects of your company, um, you could see that the SEC or uh, some of your investors or some of your key customers or ratings agency may push on that story a little more and, and you may have uh, finding yourself having to prove it. So, you know, what parts of ESG tend to get overlooked by companies? Yeah, I think um, the, the process around ESG, in order to make sure that you, you don't overlook uh, important 
parts of it is you have to you have to make sure that you um, have a, a process for first assessing what's material you know to your company and that you uh, engage with your stakeholders to find out what you should be looking at. So one of the challenges with ESG is that there's so many topics, and what we find is that uh, in the past a lot of these topics have been siloed into different groups. So a legal group will take on some things, regulatory, supply chain, et cetera, and they get assigned out as you go. But what you find now is um, a lot of those topics interact with each other and intersect, and then they're going to be talked about uh, in broader ESG reporting and may be questioned by ratings agencies, et cetera. So you ha- there's a couple of key things you need to do to make sure you don't overlook uh, important topics. One is form a, a cross-functional team to make sure that you, you get everybody together who has visibility to various ESG topics uh, and that you have a process for then formally assessing what is it that's impactful to us? What do our key stakeholders, the regulators, our customers, um, our workforce, what are our peers, ratings agencies, and others doing and asking about so that we understand what all those topics are? And there are hundreds of topics within the realm of ESG. And within each one of those topics, there are different key performance indicators you can choose to measure. So you you can't chase everything, uh, but you do have to be careful because there are some things that are impactful. Uh, some you've, again, probably been looking at for a long time. Um, your governance issues are have probably been well-defined by your board and, mm-hmm. and your management and legal. There's others that you've, you know, you've been working on around your workforce and other things, but there are some new ones, again, that may take some time to understand what the obligations are, how to measure, and then where to get the data from. So hopefully you're not missing anything if you if you take those steps. I, we always tell everyone that you know it's not a one or two person job. So it's you know make sure that you have your uh, colleagues there to help. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, what do you see for 2023 that businesses should focus on to improve their ESG initiatives? Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on uh, as we move into 2023. Um, we'll just you know I'll touch on one that's at the top of everyone's mind and in the U.S. Is, uh, for public companies is the uh, SEC proposed climate rule. Uh, that's something that we're watching very closely. That's a really significant piece of proposed legislation that came out from the SEC last year, and it would require public companies for the first time uh, to have some significant reporting around climate risk and assessments, narratives, and data. Uh, embedded in their financial statements. So that's something we need to watch and understand. And really, that's um, something we should be doing. Again, as a company, you need to be doing that with anything that's impactful to you as you um, as you move forward. So having your cross-functional ESG team or task force or committee meeting regularly just to assess the landscape of what's happening. Uh, everything around ESG seems to be evolving, whether we're talking about domestic or global regulations, uh, stakeholder demands, even the frameworks that we use, SASB and GRI, and there's a litany of other acronyms that, that take place in ESG, but all of those things are are moving around a little bit and evolving and, and um, aligning internationally. So there's a lot happening. There's a lot of um, you know challenges potentially, but there's also opportunities in the marketplace. We see a lot of startups focused on ESG opportunities and making the transition to renewables and things that are happening. So um, I think it's important to have uh, first and foremost a group that you can rely on with within your company who's um, addressing these things and reporting back regularly, keeping management and then keeping your board informed of what's happening so they can see any of the major things um, that are on the horizon. You know. Uh, there's different topics that will mature at a different pace depending mm-hmm. upon where you are, uh, what portion of the industry you're in, and what 
uh, what size you are, you know, and who your, uh, again, your customers and suppliers are, what geographies you're covering. Uh, but you just need to have a good uh, mechanism in place for assessing that early and being able to react. Uh, a lot of the things that will be required around ESG reporting, again, whether it's to ratings agencies or to customers, um, aren't necessarily things that you have at your fingertips. You have to uh, source new data, look at the controls around the processes and the IT. So you need the time to do that properly. And it sounds like there's a lot of stuff to keep track of, too, just in terms of regulations and, and things that are constantly evolving, like you mentioned. There, yeah, there really is, and and it's happening really, really quickly. Um, and again, the bigger you the bigger you are, the bigger your footprint is, um, the more you have to uh, to watch. So there's a lot happening in the EU um, EU wide with what they call CSRD, which is their broad based sustainability reporting. But then each country, you know, in the EU has different uh, issues that are popping up. The German Supply Chain Due Diligence Act and you know, other things that are happening. So there there is a lot to cover. That's why it's, it's important to really keep your finger on the pulse of your direct regulatory obligations and then also monitor what you're seeing in your marketplace, what your peers are doing, and then what you're hearing from customers. And that may be um, direct requests that you get from customers about uh, specific regulations or broader based questionnaires they might send to you uh, to ask you about your overall ESG structure and uh, planning and, and governance. We're seeing that's becoming much, much more common that um, people are using broad-based questionnaires, either large companies or the ratings agencies too, you know, are reaching out uh, to capture that information. So there is a lot of activity, a lot of focus, and um, you really, you have to be proactive um, about getting out in front of it as best as you can. Um, and let's talk about ESG reporting. What are some best practices that, you know, businesses should know as they, you know, deal with that? Because that's a, that's a huge part of it is, is the reporting side, right? Yeah, and I think that's right. And, and as I said, you, you have to define what you've already been doing. Um, so there's a lot of regulatory reporting that's been going on in the environmental health and safety space and in other areas for many, many years. So those those things um, are, are well set and the data is there and, and they're well regulated and understood. And you have good processes around that. But there's some newer things, again, like the climate uh, rule or maybe some DEI initiatives you want to report on. And then when we say report, there's a lot of different outlets for you to talk about these issues. So uh, some of these things are direct requirements. Uh, you may file a conflict minerals report every May with the SEC. Uh, you may want to talk about some of these other aspects that are not yet mandatory. So you might choose to use a SASB or GRI or a, a CDP or TCFD alignment report. Again, voluntary right now. But as you're doing that, you have to recognize that um, more and more stakeholders will be looking at it. Ratings agencies will be benchmarking you. And there's the potential that some of the things that you're putting forth now on a voluntary basis might be mandatory later on. Mm -hmm. So if you report on TCFD right now, and then the FCC climate rule is finalized, you would want to make sure that you know, you're consistent as you're talking about these things over years. And any, any of the reporting that you're doing is accurate. And any of the commitments that you make are reasonable and you know things that you can you can actually make progress on. Um, and again, I think you get there by involving people within your company who maybe haven't been as involved in the ESG reporting, but have experience with disclosures. You know, it's like I said, it's important to know that the SEC 
uh, believes and holds that ESG disclosures are as important as investor disclosures, that they are investor disclosures. And you can look on the SEC's website at their new climate and ESG task force that was created last year and see all the enforcement actions that have taken place over the last year related to ESG disclosures. And when I say disclosures, that's reporting on websites or commitments or promises that were made, not necessarily in financial statements, but just um, made by different organizations. So you know there's going to be scrutiny. You can engage with people within your company who have experience with controls, right? your internal audit group. You can engage with people who do financial reporting because they know how to put together that information in a way that's investor ready. And, and I think that's a great exercise to go through now as you're planning your ESG disclosures. And it's, you know, it's not like it's just one report. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, things to report on and different deadlines and timelines and uh, formats. So I imagine it's just a whole lot to, again, a whole lot to keep track of. Yeah, that's correct. There are, uh, and it's a mix of, of voluntary and mandatory. Mm -hmm. And so, and that mix keeps changing. So you have to have a compliance calendar. You have to have an assessment of what, what you really want to do and what you really can do. Um, and, and where to emphasize and who you're really speaking to. Now, you know, you're creating these disclosures again in alignment with a voluntary framework because you want to tell the world, you want to tell your stakeholders something important. So now you just have to make sure again that you have the time to build up the data, that it's verifiable. The other trend that we're seeing is the use of external audit, you know, to validate some of this reporting. We see more and more that that's becoming increasingly um, popular and common and expected in some areas. And it could be, again, validating certain key ESG metrics or a broader component of your overall sustainability report. And if those expectations are there, um, then you have to build that into your time frame. And you need to engage with that external auditor to understand how they're going to audit what you're providing and, and work through that process. And, you know, again, people within your organization who've been working on financial reporting have experience doing that. They understand how audits uh, proceed and what type of evidence to and controls to demonstrate. So you leverage that as you're uh, working on ESG. And so this is a new trend. Again, ESG and sustainability reporting were for many, many years were on the other side of the website from financial right, reporting. Right. And they, they didn't have a, they didn't have a lot in common. But but now they're merging. Uh, right in front of us. And, and every day we see more and more indication of that. So, you know, you get out in front of that by engaging with your colleagues who can uh, share those processes and make sure that, you know, you're on the right track. But it is a, it is a challenge to keep on top of all the um, obligations of, and, and just, again, making sure that you're consistent in the various ways that you might be talking about these subjects, because you may have a report going to the EPA, a specific one about you know emissions at a facility, and then you might have a roll-up of emissions in a sustainability report, and you just have to make sure that you know you're consistent in the way you're looking at those issues. Hmm. Um, how can leadership get employees engaged in, in ESG initiatives? Obviously, you know I'm, I'm sure that you know from the top level they're they're already looking at this stuff, but how do you get you know sort of your uh, you know the folks they're they're doing the work to to really kind of buy into to ESG and, and, you know, what everything that's involved in it. Yeah, I think first it, it is important, like you said, that the, the high level, the board, the board is engaged. Um, there's, we know that some of the anticipated reporting, especially in the SEC rule and others specifically asks how the board is engaged and how the board is overseeing the strategy around some of these things. So um, it really should be a, a top-down effort. There should be a good tone at the top around these issues and management obviously supports it and, and 
uh, installs a process to make sure that you're progressing. Um, I oftentimes, you know, we find that the best ideas around a lot of these things come from our youngest employees because they've been immersed in these topics the most. So sometimes you'll find that, um, you know, that that, uh, a lot of the great ideas and uh, initiatives will be motivated or initiated by your youngest employees who perhaps have studied some of these newer concepts in school and are really motivated to do it. Um, but I think the, the real key, the engagement comes from the common understanding of, of what the topics are and why they're impactful to the company. So why they matter, how do they drive, um, you know, good uh, employee morale? How do they drive investor sentiment? How do they drive customer awareness and protect your reputation and your revenue? How do they put you in the right place within your peer group? How do they do the right things for your communities and for the planet and all the right messaging around ESG from top to bottom. What's the theory? Why are we doing this? How do we get the right information? How do we share it in a way that's productive, that communicates our values, that also protects us and that we're, you know, we're all in that together. And so, you know, like with anything, you have to really make sure there's a a common understanding and a buy-in as to what you're doing. But again, again, you leverage a lot of different skills uh, in order to get this done the right way. You know, you have an understanding of sustainability, process controls, IT, uh, is really important to source new data or come up with ways to find uh, data and then to put it into, you know, maybe a new system selection you're doing and then, you know, all the communications. And so you can think of all the different backgrounds that that are necessary for uh, successful ESG programming and just make sure, again, that they understand what they're contributing. I find that a lot of these topics are really, um, they are top of mind with a lot of people and um, they, they inherently understand what it is that you're talking about. They may need some specific knowledge of a regulation or a timeline or a driver for it, but there's a there's a lot of inherent buy-in with with uh, many of these topics. Um, and what's the biggest misconception that businesses have about ESG initiatives? Well, I think first we use the term ESG, and it's so broad that that's mm-hmm. really the challenge. So I think that that in and of itself, when we say that term ESG, if you don't move quickly to define it specifically, then it defaults to whatever maybe you saw in the news or the last thing you heard somewhere, and that may not be the most relevant uh, example. So that's why we try to move past the term ESG as quickly as we can and get into a customized discussion with each client about what it really means. Because again, it's very, very different depending upon you know, where you are, who you serve, um, how mature you are, how big of an organization you are, what your goals and, you know, who your stakeholders are, the, the materiality assessments, the reporting, all of that can look vastly different um, for everybody. So I try to, as quickly as we can, we, we use the term ESG for now. We'll see what, you know, dev, what acronyms come up in the future and maybe we'll get more prescriptive and, and, and narrower. Right now, ESG is, um, you can see it in the news, used to describe almost everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, and so it, it's a political term. It's, it's really, and, and again, when we use it with clients, we're, we're moving past it quickly to make sure that there are no misconceptions, that when we use that term, we're talking about you know, engaging with your stakeholders around important topics, many of which you you already understand, but assessing, you know, what's required right now so we can make sure that you're putting out the information, you know, that you need about your organization. So in some ways it's very complicated, but in other ways it's it's really simplistic when you when you get to the core of it. Definitely. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Oh, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for having me. All right. That wraps up episode 144 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. 
You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.